My name is Andrew Tan, and this is As Asians. Every episode, we talk to a different awesome Asian professional, covering topics such as navigating careers, the Asian identity, and ways on figuring out this thing called life. We hope the stories and advice from this podcast can inspire and help you to chart out your own path. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Today, we talk to G1 Lee, a rockstar investment banker at Lazard, who has plenty of interesting entrepreneurship experiences. He has sold delicious Korean barbecue meat to even dabbling with furniture. G is one of the most driven and intelligent people I know, and I hope you enjoy this conversation with him. My name is Ji Wan Lee. Uh, I go by Ji. Um, let's see. I would say born and raised South Korea. Lived there for about nine years, and then my family and I moved to Northwest Indiana, where I grew up. I would say you know uh, the past uh, you know um, let's see like almost you know seventeen years or so before uh, you know going to IU um, and doing you know variety of things there. Um, you know definitely can touch up on it later and um, and. Decided to work in Chicago uh, and in uh, investment banking, uh, Lazard, um, in the M&A group. And then, you know, a lot of things unfolded there and then ended up also working, you know, in restructuring. And now I'll be going to San Francisco to uh, work in private equity. All right. All right. So I think there's a few things we can touch on. I think the first being, how did you get into investment banking as a career during your time at IU? Did you major in finance and what got you into it? Uh, yeah, so I guess, um, you know, from the very first year, I actually wanted to pursue accounting. Uh, accounting and finance was, you know, my major. And, you know, I think a lot of people uh, that watch this that are, you know, like, you know, at the Kelly School of Business will agree that accounting finance is like a default major that everyone chooses. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I think I was more accounting focused than finance um, and not to mention I haven't taken any finance courses until, you know, uh, junior year, which was how the, you know, the system was structured. But at the time, big four was my top goal. Um, and, you know, that's what I went, you know, 100%. Um, and, you know, sadly, you know, I, you know, although I, you know, did get a few interviews, um, you know, I was rejected from a, you know, sophomore. Um, uh, I think it was a leadership conference at yep. EY. And, you know, definitely that was a, uh, that was the first time where I got like really big rejection. And, you know, I think at that time, you know, I decided, um, all right, well, you know, this is, you know, not something that I should be, you know, just kind of, you know, crying over or whatnot, but I should start, you know, making an opportunity and make the best of the mm. situation and start to pursue some, you know, startups, you know, from, you know, uh, which I actually have done from the freshman of my college career and then eventually led to an e-commerce business, uh, which I entered into a venture capital pitch competition. And it's actually through that experience that kind of got me interested in finance in general. Um, yep. And then, you know, ultimately led me to pursue, you know, the investment banking workshop at IU, uh, which fortunately I was accepted to. And then uh, from there, just went, you know, full 100% um, and, you know, um, fortunately landed, you know, an offer for a summer internship, um, you know, in Chicago at Lazard. And so I guess I accepted the full-time, you know, offer back and just kind of been there um, you know, ever since. So I think that was um, just kind of the key highlights, but definitely happy to, you know, um, you know, go into any of that. Yeah. So you, you mentioned also doing a bit of entrepreneurship during college. I think I recall there were a mix of it from the grocery stuff till marinated Korean meats. <laughs> uh, and I think you also mentioned there was a time where 
you did, I think, furniture and like oh, yeah, yeah. picking up and yeah. reselling furniture. Could you touch a bit yeah, more so, on your entrepreneurial stuff? Uh, so I'll, I'll, so when I first uh, came to IU, uh, you know, made a few friends for from some of my uh, student organizations, and you know, one of them who I would you know consider uh, one of my best friends, um, he kind of introduced the idea. Hey, you know, there's a lot of international students, uh, particularly even graduate students that are just you know, uh, leaving the U.S., graduating, they're just throwing away all their furniture because they would have to pay to move it out. And mm -hmm. it's just too much of a pain to sell. And so, uh, you know, what we decided is, you know, let's, you know, take that opportunity, um, you know. So definitely during the move in and move out periods of each semester, uh, we decided to, you know, take on that demand. So we, you know, each got, you know, two pickup trucks, uh, you know, both of them, you know, one of them being in 1999 Chevrolet Silverado, the other one, 2000 Chevrolet Silverado, Silverado both from Craigslist. You know, bought for each, you know, two grand. And then uh, we definitely just started moving. Um, you know, we basically got a bunch of furniture for free that people were just throwing out. And these were like high quality furniture, yeah. some like Tempur-Pedic, queen size, king size, you know. Oh, wow. You name it, you know, couches, you know, if, you know full leather, just the whole deal, um, you know. And so we're able to rent out a few storages, um, you know, south of Bloomington, Indiana, you know, where, um, you know, Indiana University is located for those of you uh, that are not from there. Um, and, you know, definitely, it, w it was definitely a booming business. Uh, a lot of back aches. Uh, my biceps definitely got bigger, so I was pretty happy about that. Um, and, you know, we w it, was, it, was, it was pretty fun. Um, and, you know, I think after that point, um, you know, I decided to you know, do a few more entrepreneurial ventures, you know, beyond that, uh, you know, with, with that friend, um, and as well as among, you know, a few others, um, including um, a karaoke business that's actually still operating to this very day in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, uh -huh. and also... Uh, and also, you know, uh, the e-commerce business, where I think was uh, probably uh, one of the more impactful experiences that ultimately led me to pursue investment banking. Yeah, and I guess that's that's a curious question, right? Because people tend to think with someone who has an entrepreneurial spirit, you wouldn't necessarily go into something more corporate like investment banking. So how does that <laughs> how does that play in from like doing so many entrepreneurial things to then going to do full time investment banking? Yeah, no, actually, that's a great question. In fact, I was asked that very question at every single one of my interviews <laughs> while I was, you know, going through, uh, you know, the recruiting process. And, you know, so I, I think there's a few key comparisons that we have to make. Um, so entrepreneurship, um, for those of you that are, you know, truly doing it right, I mean, you are working more hours than banking. You, mm -hmm. It's more stressful, um, you know, than banking. It is, you know, not to mention, I think one of the key uh, you know, risks is you're putting your own capital on the line, right? Compared to invest banking, you're simply providing advice. So, you know, in terms of risk profile, the amount of time and stress, I mean, investment banking is, I would say, you know, more chill, you know, for lack of a better term. Um, and so yeah, I don't think anyone you know, would actually say investment banking is chill. <laughs> yeah, no, despite what people think. I mean, if you're really, if you're truly, you know, doing entrepreneurship, you know, giving a hundred ten percent every single day, and really caring about every aspect of the business and, you know, waking up and sleeping, you know, as a founder of that business. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a lot to take on mentally, you know, and in many cases, you know, physically as well uh, as I've experienced and, you know, in all of my, uh, you know, startups there. And so, you know, I mean, for me, especially early on in my career, you know, I had to, you know, think about, all right, what, what do I value most, right? I mean, you know, financial, you know, reward, I think that, you know, comes along the way. So mm -hmm. I didn't really weigh that that much. But, you know, what I cared more about um, was, you know, where can I truly learn, right? I mean, you know, what is an experience that will, you know, really prepare me well 
or, you know, anything that I want to do. And, you know, entrepreneurship really does that. Uh, but then, you know, you have to understand, you know, um, just being involved in, you know, multiple startups, uh, you know, with you know, each of them being in different business models, you know, particularly for the e-commerce business, which I was operating while I was recruiting in banking, um, you know, you have to understand what were the learning opportunities that were left for me in that business. And, you know, first, you know, scalability. I mean, there's a limited amount of scale for, you know, a business that has a target demographic of East Asian international students <laughs> in an isolated area, right? I mean, that is a very specific niche market, right? Well, it's pretty significant and, you know, you can, you can argue Purdue, you know, Michigan, you know, maybe some parts of, you know, some of the universities in, you know, Ohio, uh, you know, but it's, it's in terms of scalability, it's, it's not, not that much and not to mention, you know, I mean, it's, it will be great to, you know, work with, you know, Asian authentic, you know, cuisine, um, you know, Korean barbecue, sashimi, et cetera. But, you know, I wanted to, you know, think, you know, a little more longer term, you know, mm -hmm. do I, wouldn't, would I learn more selling, you know, you know, hundreds of this compared to, you know, thousands of tens of thousands of that? I mean, yes, there will be learning opportunity, but I felt that it was starting to plateau a little bit, right? And not to mention, you know, the risk and reward. I, I don't think it was uh, necessarily, you know, as worth it and reward being the learning opportunity, right? I mean, yep. Um, you know, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of, you know, uh, risks that, you know, you would have to take as an entrepreneur, you know, you're giving, you know, if you pursue entrepreneurship, you're giving up all other opportunities as well. And for me, the opportunity cost of what you can learn from, you know, uh, larger scale clients and in investment banking to all the technical skills, um, you know, that's required, you know, uh, for finance, as well as working with public companies, private companies, uh, working on transactions, fundraising in you know larger scale. I think that was something that I knew that I lacked, right? I mean, I only worked on you know these smaller startups, mm -hmm. um, you know, with not significant scale. And you know, for me to get the opportunity to do so, um, you know, I think was pretty compelling. And you know, and and everyone will say it's really difficult to get into banking. Um, after, you know, your college years or after, you know, the first few years of your postgraduate career. Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, you know, regarding timing, I felt that this was probably one of the, you know, the best times to do so. Um, and so, you know, and, you know, not to mention my founders were, your co-founders were considering, you know, going uh, to Korea after graduations. That mean I would have taken on even more responsibility. Um, so, you know, regarding the uncertainty and, you know, relatively a lower risk, and, you know, and, you know, despite the, uh, the, I guess the what majority would think a more chill lifestyle in banking <laughs> compared to entrepreneurship, I think those were, you know, some of the key reasons I uh, mean, decided to pursue it. And, you know, um, I can say, you know, and looking back in the past two years I spent there, um, including the summer, I fully agree that I, you know, the amount that I learned, um, you know, will definitely take me much further. And I'm not, you know, discrediting any you know, entrepreneurs out there or anyone who want to pursue entrepreneurship. In fact, I think I learned so much for entrepreneurship that actually, you know, that, that helped me, you know, get a job, you know, within, you know, the finance, you know, industry, as well as, you know, also, you know, taught me work ethic and being able to think, you know, outside the box, which I think I was able to do, you know, quite well, you know, during, during my time, you know, at Lazard. And so overall, definitely appreciate the experience with, you know, if I had to repeat everything again, I would pursue all those startups, you know, mm -hmm. um, again at the same time. Yeah. So I think one of the things you touched on was making sure that you had opportunities to, to learn and grow. And that's kind of one of the reasons why you picked investment banking, because it was kind of plateauing in entrepreneurship. 
Um, so outside of specifically investment banking or even doing your work, how do you find those opportunities to constantly learn? Because I remember I always see you reading really thick books on bankruptcy <laughs> and other finance books. How do you find, I guess, that, that drive to continue to learn and grow both at your job and outside your job? Um, well, it's, I, I would say, um, probably one of the key reasons, um, you know, is definitely, I, I, I want to do well. I mean, it's, you know, simple as that, right? I mean, it's, at any point, I'm pretty sure everyone will say they want to do well in their job. And yeah. you know, for me, um, you know, I felt the same way. And, you know, I guess, um, I, I think you're, you know, looking at you know, me reading, you know, thick bankruptcy books kind of in a vacuum, you know, and, and the context mm. there is, you know, I, they actually, I was the first, um, you know, analyst in, you know, in uh, my company's history to move groups after one year, um, you know, in, in their two-year analyst program. And so for me, you know, their expectation was I should still function as someone that has worked in that group for mm a year, but then I've only joined there. So I had about, you know, I would say less than a month to be able to catch up to all those people that's been working there for, you know, more than a year and maybe even have summer intern there. So I had a lot more, I had a significant learning curve that I had to achieve um, mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. So I think, you know, just, you know, for the desire to not fall behind, uh, you know, fall below expectations, um, you know, I had to at least uh, set a precedent that I can do the job that I'm able to excel and that kind of, you know, motivated me well. And I think what also um, you know, really helped was I was fascinated by the, you know, very topic, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and so I, I think those were you know, all helped. Now, regarding, you know, maybe outside of that, you know, I guess all the other preparation I did, you know, for banking, whether it be, you know, through entrepreneurship, you know, all those late nights, I think one of the key drivers, definitely, you know, my family, just given, you know, uh, coming here, you know, to the U.S. with, uh, you know, basically, you know, no connections, um, you know, and just starting out, you know, them also as entrepreneurs, um, you know, and actually, you know, Gary, Indiana, which is not a safe area. And, you know, I got to see yeah. a lot of stuff that was, um, you know, definitely not appropriate, you know, in, in any sense, um, some, you know, very vivid, um, you know, and so, you know, you know, growing up through all of that, and as the eldest son that kind of helped out through all of their business, um, you know, successes and failures. I mean, I understood, you know, the hardships that they went through. And, you know, for me, I think that's one of the key, I guess, drivers of my motivation is I want to do well to help them retire. I want to do well, um, you know, to not disappoint the hard work that they put in. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I just don't want their efforts to go to waste. And I think, you know, a lot of uh, first gen, you know, immigrants, um, you know, uh, college graduates will probably, you know, agree on that front as well is, you know, as you come here for, you know, a new opportunity. I mean, you you have a duty to make the best of it for mm -hmm. yourself and for your, you know, for those that you care about. And, you know, for me, that's definitely the case. And, um, and I have to, you know, say that's, you know, still the case to this very day and, and it's going to continue to be, you know, in the future. Yeah, no, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I'm just curious as well, since, you know, you grew up, well, mainly in Indiana, I know you spend some time in Korea, but Indiana is a place where there isn't a lot of Asians necessarily. So how did that kind of play into you growing up in an environment that was vastly different from maybe your earlier years in Korea? And how did it kind of shape, I guess, your life in America now? Because I you know you also got your citizenship quite recently and got sworn in. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. And, and you know, I just want to say uh, my mother also got her uh, U.S. citizenship, uh, you know, I think yeah. like a few days ago. So definitely congrats to her, you know, for all her, you know, hard work, definitely deserve it. Um, but, you know, I guess uh, regarding, you know, your question on uh, my transition from Korea to Indiana, I mean, you can only imagine how <laughs> how different that is. I mean, like, especially Northwest Indiana, like mm -hmm. that's that's an area where there's almost no, um, you know, East Asian representation. So there is no community that, you know, kind of helps you, you know, settle in, et cetera. I mean, thankfully, my uncle and aunt was in Northwest Indiana for the first uh, few months when my uh, you know, family arrived. And so that was definitely helpful. But after they left to the West Coast, you know, we're kind of on our own. And so, mm. um, I mean, well, you know, my parents, you know, they worked, you know, almost I would say 12 to 16 hours a day. So, you know, for them, they didn't really have time for a community as much. Um, but, you know, something that I wish, you know, my family had um, and also something that I wish I had, you know. Um, but, you know, still, you know, I made, you know, um, I guess, uh, you know, good friends and also bad friends, you know, through through my high school, middle school years, um, you know, but definitely it's, it's, it's different. You know, I mean, there's, you know, a lot of racism um, there, and, you know, it's, they don't, they're not open to different cultures, um, you mm. know, and not to mention different cuisines, uh, the way they smell, the way people look. Um, so, you know, definitely, you know, it, it wasn't a place that I felt um, that, you know, at least, you know, people were as well accepted compared to, for example, you know, an Indian university in Bloomington, where there's a huge, you know, diverse population, um, even though, you know, the every place has, you know, small elements of racism, you know, or, you know, I guess, division there but still i mean i think you know um comparatively definitely northwest indiana i think was um definitely quite difficult uh but however one thing it was very helpful for me is um you know being outside of um, a community that's similar to my background mm -hmm. um, i was able to learn english really quickly because you know that's all i'm surrounded by is people oh. that were born and raised, you know, local, um, you know, and it was relatively a small town where everyone kind of knew everyone. Um, and, you know, for the most part, um, I think that was helpful in me being able to get, you know, up to speed quickly and also be able to help out my family and their businesses, you know, um, as I was able to, you know, I guess, get through the language barrier, you know, quicker than they could. Um, and so I think, and, you know, that's what I'm pretty thankful, not to mention it was a very safe area, um, you know, mm. although, you know, being close to Gary, it was actually, you know, uh, far enough that um, the school was, you know, very safe. Um, the school is, you know, pretty good. The teachers are fantastic. Um, and, you know, for me, I, you know, I would say in, in terms of education, I think it was pretty, you know, pretty spot on, you know, in a quiet area with great skillets. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it's sort of, you know, so I definitely, you know, I mean, um, although I didn't have a community, you know, uh, growing up, um, you know, I still was able to find it at IU. And, you know, still, I think all the experiences thus far uh, kind of made me to who I am. So probably wouldn't change that. Yeah. When, when you say community, what do you mean by that? Like, because you mentioned you had, you know, good friends and bad friends during your middle school and high school years. But when you say community, is it like the broadest sense of community, like with your town, with your city or with like church? Uh, well, yeah, that's actually, yeah, good, good thing to clear up. Um, so when I say community, probably, 
you know, for example, um, you know, for, um, you know, for, for others, it may be a church, you know, for others, it may be just kind of a, like a neighborhood, you know, um, you know, for example, I can say like for my family, it's not like we can just casually go, you know, join our neighborhood backyard, you know, grill, whatnot, just because of the language barrier. Right. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. and not to mention people are not even really open to people that, you know, uh, where, you know, their first language is not English, um, you know, and so there wasn't any of that. There wasn't really a Korean community, you know, the closest Korean community, you know, here was, uh, you know, up, all the way up in like, near in the Chicago area, um, you know, which is still, you know, pretty far. Um, and as for, you know, friends, I mean, uh, I had a friends, you know, that I hung out with and anything like that, but I would, I would say someone who, you know, truly understood me, you know, what I wanted, um, you know, as well as, you know, um, you know, I, I think, you know, the closest friends that I've, I guess, met were all at IU, right? Um, they're all, um, you know, very driven, um, you know, and, and at least, you know, had, we had a mutual understanding of the differences in our cultures compared to me, the friends that I had, you know, while I was growing up, you know, mostly, um, you know, I didn't really talk about, you know, my background. I didn't, they didn't even mm -hmm. know really much of me, except I'm, you know, big, except me as a student at that school that lived locally, right? It was not, you know, um, you know, um, someone that, you know, grew, you know, born and raised in South Korea um, you know, for nine years coming here with, you know, all the, I guess, the background and the, you know, the cultural, you know, preferences that I had. It wasn't really understanding of that. So, you know, in, in that sense, I, I would say um, there, there wasn't, I, I, you know, a comfortable community um, where both you know, me and my family could kind of, um, I guess, uh, surround ourselves with. Um, and I think, you know, while, it's not a necessity. I think that was something that I, I wish there was more of, which, you know, thankfully I was able to find at IU. Gotcha. So it sounds more like, cause the environment wasn't, I guess, as willing to take the time to understand like someone from a different background or culture that makes it a bit harder for you to also feel as comfortable to share compared to IU, which had a much larger population of people from diverse backgrounds. So it was a bit more easy to, to communicate and share kind of different opinions and kind of customs that makes it easier for you to feel like there's a sense of community there. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Gotcha. So it sounds like your, your time at kind of your middle school and high school kind of ramped you up in prepping for, I guess, American life. And then coming <laughs> to IU was where you had that, I guess, launch pad to push forward and really execute on a lot of things from, you know, both your career in investment banking, your experiences with entrepreneurship and also meeting really interesting and cool people. It sounds like it, especially with your co-founders, I guess now looking forward and you'll be moving to San Francisco soon. What do you hope to achieve in San Fran? Cause it's a very different environment again, and maybe, uh, a better environment since there are more Asian representation there. So I'm just curious to, to get your thoughts on what you see yourself doing in San Fran. Uh, well, I mean, I, I guess, um, you know, the, the company that I'm going to does kind of limit, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, the, I guess, locations that I could go to, just given the locations of their offices and mm -hmm. um, as well as, you know, for specific teams of my company on where they're located um, and so for me you know my choice was between you know san francisco um, and new york um, and so for me i think san francisco was the preference just given number one 
Um, you know, I told you, I think uh, my uncle and aunt moved to the West Coast within the first few months of yep. my family arriving in Indiana. And so, you know, being, you know, so, you know, pretty close to them, um, you know, and also um, I was actually in New York for um, almost, uh, almost two months during training uh, before I started my full-time career. And so for me, I had a good idea of what New York was like and it was not a place that I really wanted to, um, wanted to go. Um, and so I think San Francisco was kind of the... I guess the best choice, you know, among that, you know, I guess among the choices and, and also, you know, especially early on in my career, I wanted to see uh, what it's like to live in different parts of the U.S. I think, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people should be kind of open to just given, you know, I mean, look, I, I've been in Indiana for what, like 18 years. I've been in Chicago. I mean, my life has basically been all in the Midwest. Um, and for me, I want to see what it's like to be outside of that. Right. And so, um, I want to see what's out there, um, and you know, I think you know what best time to you know explore different locations when I don't have, I guess, you know, significant commitments like you know raising a family, you know, et cetera. And so uh, decided this would be a good opportunity to do so, um, and decided to you know pursue a career there, and particularly you know for the company that I'll be working for, um, yeah, HIG Capital. Um, you know, they're you know, focus on uh, at least the team that I'm going to is focused on uh, investing in, you know, I guess, hairy situations, some in distress, uh, mm -hmm. some in complex processes, and they have a strategy different than, you know, uh, what you typically would see in, you know, private equity companies. And for me, I think um, that unique, um, I guess, uh, perspective, as well as a you know, new strategy going in, not to mention, you know, them um, and looking to raise, you know, new fund, I think provides me a lot of opportunity um, there, especially during these times when there is a lot of distress, um, you know, I think would be, you know, pretty good timing. And so, um, you know, while I didn't know that, at, you know, back then at the time, I think it aligns with at least the interest that I have in the types of deals I want. Um, and, you know, also in, in terms of um, also them actually allowing me to co-invest in those companies, you know, put it, allowing me to put money where my mouth is. I think that is pretty compelling to me uh, because I, you know, it's difficult for me to really get, you know, really be invested and interested in something unless I put, I have my money on it. And I felt the same way while I was an entrepreneur. And I feel that that's probably going to be the same way when I'm, you know, working at the firm. And so, um, and those are, you know, a lot of, um, I guess, um, you know, things that I look forward to there. Um, and then I guess in terms of goal, I mean, simply, I want to learn. Um, you know, see what it's like to live in the West Coast. I want to learn what it's like to invest in, you know, quite, you know, large uh, companies. Um, and also I want to learn how to improve operations, how to, you know, go through a deal. There's a lot of things that I want to learn there that I'm hoping, you know, out of that experience, I'm able to at least be, you know, comfortable uh, doing, you know, all parts of that process, you know, on my own. And so that's, that's kind of, the, you know, be the goal um, of, you know, what I want to learn there. Yeah, and I'm just curious because you said you was in New York for about two months and you decided that you would prefer West Coast. I know one of the reasons is because of family, but what else do you think made, I guess, West Coast more of an interesting place because typically people would think finance would be in New York? Yeah, so, I mean, that is, um, that is very mixed. Um, and not to mention, you know, I mean, I mean New York is, is, I guess, the the financial, you know, um, center, you know, as, you know, as everyone would think, but in terms of, you know, private equity investing, 
um, you know, that's really, you know, not the case. I mean, the only reason a lot of private equity companies tend to be, you know, in New York is simply, you know, because there's a lot of law firms that are located there and it's really convenient for them to be locally, you know, um, I guess, placed there. And so, and not to mention for hiring purposes, since there are a lot of investment banks are, you know, headquartered in New York, that kind of helps them, you know, find new talent relatively quickly. But, you know, for me, um, you know, that's not really a matter. I mean, just given, yes, it was, um, you know, more difficult when it came to the private equity recruiting process while I was, you know, in Chicago instead of New York. Um, you know, for me, I think that it's um, now that I've, you know, I've actually, you know, gotten the offer that I'm pursuing, I want to go to a place uh, where there is a talented team, a talented, you know, um, company. I think that's more important than the specific location. Because the location does not determine how well your team performs. I think everyone can agree on that. Um, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's the team, it's the people, it's the track record. And, you know, uh, for me, I mean, there's many private equity, other finance companies in New York that are underperforming, you know, many other companies that might be, lo you know, located otherwise. And for me, that was uh, definitely the case, um, you know, given uh, the firm that I'm going to at least, you know, has, you know, top quintile returns compared to you know, all the other private equity firms in the US. So for me, um, that's, the, that's the team that you know, I'm going to um, rather than you know, me saying, oh, I want to go to New York just because there's, you know, that's what everyone thinks is the financial center. Um, you know? And so for me, that was not really the case. Um, you know? And for location, I was more focused on you know, what, am I, what am I getting um, you know, in return for, I guess, higher cost of living, things that everyone probably thinks about. Um, and for me, I felt that, I mean, all those San Francisco and New York are quite comparable when it comes to cost of living. Um, you know, kind of want to, you know, slightly nicer weather for a change, uh, you know, <laughs> and not to mention, you know, I think, you know, um, technology is definitely an interesting field and, you know, felt that, you know, I was at least be exposed to more of that in San Francisco, as well as, you know, my team's uh, focus on, you know, investing in companies that are actually, you know, West Coast focused. So in regards to, you know, the uh, opportunities, I think it just will align with some of the things that I was, um, you know, interested in. Um, and, you know, also not to mention, I had, you know, a pretty you know, good number of friends uh, that actually, you know, made through, you know, my, um, you know, company at Lazard, you know, um, and, you know, they actually would be living or even moving to San Francisco. So that actually was another oh, okay. big reason um, on why. Um, so, you know, that's definitely, you know, it's not that I'm, I didn't look at New York. It's not that I really, you know, not, not that I hate New York. It's just, <laughs> um, I just simply prefer San Francisco more. Yep. No, I think, I think it makes sense for all the reasons that you just mentioned. I was curious because I visited New York a few times and I felt New York was a great place to visit as a tourist. But living <laughs> there just seemed a bit, more difficult in terms of housing it's really cramped and there's also winners <laughs> not as bad as chicago but it's not as nice as the west yeah I, I mean if you think about it this way as i imagine like especially you know with covid um you know imagine me having to move to new york right now right even though things are getting better like it just you know um i think you know in, in you know retrospect i think i made you know pretty pretty good decision um but you know that you know still that being said i mean there's still a lot of other you know cases you know going up in many other parts of the city but you know it just would have been a much more difficult situation had i chosen new york yeah for sure for sure um and i know it sounds like from a lot of things you're saying you learning is a huge aspect of things that you value and definitely i think hard work being the second uh given your your upbringing and 
kind of your experiences you've had through middle school and high school kind of instilled, I think, those two values in you. Is there anything else that you value a lot in your life that you kind of use to make decisions or some you know, habits that you do every day? I know you exercise very often <laughs> as a huge one. I'm just curious to hear about your thoughts on that. Um, well, I mean, let's, let's touch on, you know, exercise. Uh, definitely. It's, I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's always uh, nice to look good. I mean, everyone can agree, but at the same time, it's more so for, you know, my long-term career. I'm, uh, you know, I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, like I, you know, I have cousins, uh, that had, you know, health problems, you know, that had heart transplants, you know, I had, you know, um, you oh, know wow. grandparents <laughs> that, you know, passed away from, you know, some of those illnesses. And for me, what that tells me is, you know, I need to take good care of my health, um, you know, not only for me, but, you know, for me to be able to continue working and, you know, um, and not to mention stay, you know, fit, stay sharp um, and stay, you know, uh, I, I would even argue, you know, stay happy. Um, and that's kind of the reason why, you know, work out, you know, do cardio, boxing, you know, rock climbing, you know, et cetera. And just because um, that's, I, I think, you know, will help me in the long run. Um, and especially when, you know, work in a job that, you know, you're expected to, you know, sit for just hours and hours on end, you know, every day. Um, I think it's even more of a reason to, to make sure to, you know, at least maintain the discipline to be able to work out, you know, frequently or else you're just gonna, you know, gain you know, a lot of weight really quickly. Um, and, you know, for me, I just uh, don't want to take the risk of getting health mm -hmm. problems when, you know, I'm, you know, because I, I see myself as, at least, you know, the safety net, you know, at least for my family. And, uh, you know, I want that safety net to be as secure as possible and, um, and you know, thus, you know, good health, um, you know. And so, um, th th I mean, that's, you know, one of the, I guess, key reasons. I mean, definitely the good bonus is, you know, I get to, um, you know, look, you know, pretty, pretty good. Um, that's a fact. You know, so I think that's, you know, um, that is a, it's, it's just, you know, overall, I think it's, it, you know, I, I think it just keeps me happy. I mean, that's, that's, you know, all there is to it is, you know, you just got to do, you know, what makes you happy. Um, and, you know, for some exercise is not it for me, it is. Um, and so I think that's, um, you know, something that I, you know, at least, you know, continue to do. Um, now, unfortunately right now, you know, these days, you know, I've been mostly just doing running, just given all the gyms are not mm -hmm. safe. Um, and I want to say to everyone that gym is really not safe. Uh, no matter what they say. So um, hopefully everyone takes that to, to heart as they, you know, try to minimize the spread of this virus. Yeah. Does, does all this working out also translate to like eating clean or do you enjoy a bit more on the food side? Oh, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I think I enjoy more on the food side. I mean, <laughs> actually that could, that could be another reason why I work out is so that I can eat as <laughs> anything I want. Um, and, you know, even like my coworkers um, are going to, tell you that, you know, I eat Korean fried chicken, you know, quite frequently, like ramen, like all these things that you would consider maybe not as healthy, mm -hmm. I still consume it just simply because I enjoy it. And, you know, and I try to, you know, work out and, you know, I, you know, I try to eat, you know, salads, you know, every now and then, um, you know, I try to keep main, maintain a somewhat of a balanced diet. But for dinners, I used to you know, just, you know, go all out, um, you know, eat whatever I want. Um, and that's something that, you know, I, really just don't regret. I mean, yes, I can eat like, chicken breasts and, you know, vegetables every single day and just get shredded, but that's, that's not the reason why I work out. Right. I mean, uh, and that's also not the, I don't think that's the joy of, you know, eating. Um, you know, there's so much cuisine out there, so many things to try, so many, you know, different cultural, um, you know, parts of that, that, you know, they're, you know, to appreciate. And I think you're just not doing yourself justice 
to sticking to a very strict lean diet that is, you know, um, and no matter what people say, they may say, oh, you know, it can still be delicious. But look, you are, you know, in fact, no matter what you say, even if you have a good subset of, you know, lean cuisine, your recipes, and, you know, it just, you're limiting yourself, um, you know, to all the things that you could try. Um, and so um, for me, I mean, in the past, you know, 25 years of my life, I've been living that way and my body is pretty good. You know, my health checkups have check out, you know, pretty, pretty good too. Um, and so I just have no worries. And, you know, as long as um, I'm keeping, you know, um, you know, still eating all my vegetables, my vitamins, and still working out, I think I should be good. And, you know, definitely, you know, big foodie for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. And I, I guess it seems like you're doing a lot of things right, right. From exercising your career, it, it seems like, you're like kind of like a superhuman and when people listen to this like damn G has everything kind of planned out but what are some things that you find challenging and you've been working on recently uh well for one I'm definitely not superhuman definitely don't have all my shit together <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think you know go far as that but uh, uh but I mean overall definitely I think um just you know you know staying motivated I think helps me, uh, it's, I think, the underlying driver for, you know, all of these things that, you know, I do, um, you know, like, it's, it's simply like this. I mean, if there's, if, if you're always, you know, working, um, you know, super hard, I, you know, I, I guess you're sacrificing time for, you know, a lot of other things. And I think that's where, you know, I'm hoping to at least, um, you know, branch out a little more on just given, you know, if I'm working like, you know, 16 hours a day um, and, you know, I'm just, you know, very disconnected with, you know, a lot of people, a lot of friends, you know, from IU. And so, you know, I've been trying to make an effort, especially now that, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've actually, you know, recently uh, concluded my two-year analyst program at Lazard. And right now I'm just kind of resting, you know, during the summer before my next job, taking that free time to, you know, uh, video chat with people. I even, you know, visited, uh, you know, Indy um, to, you know, see, see a few people as well, you know, see small faces, um, you know, frequently do, you know, catch-up calls you were people from you know uh friends that i met from my own company um so overall just trying to do a lot of catch-up um you know trying to spend you know talk to more people seeing you know what they're you know uh what they're up to just given i think you know in banking a lot of people say you lose out on a lot of social aspects and i think uh, that has been the case for me and i'm you know hoping to at least um you know just uh reconnect you know um you know all the good people in my life including you andrew um, and so, um definitely <laughs> that's, 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 this, that's this call you know and so hopefully i'll be able to visit uh, chicago and have uh, another nice dinner with jason you know later on um but but yeah i mean it's i think that's you know some of the parts i wish i had more time for um and not to mention even with family you know i'm right now i spend every day you know uh, with family whether it be meals or you know whether we you know uh, do very friendly uh, gambling, um, you know, you know, gambling. Uh, yeah. Well, actually, not that friendly, but definitely gambling. <laughs> you know, with the family, uh, you know, spending a lot of time with them. Just given, I really haven't uh, really spent time with you know family as much as I should. Um, so you know, just doing you know all the things that you know I think uh, everyone agrees you know, really matter a lot in life. Um, trying to balance all the at least the work you know and other you know um, you know I guess studying and you know working out that I do. Yeah, no, I, th I think that makes a lot of sense. There's definitely trade-offs that have to be made, but sometimes the trade-offs are worth it. And now it sounds like a good time to do the opposite since you have more time to catch up on some of these things. And it sounds like you're doing a lot of good things such as gambling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not recommend that as an activity for many. Uh, 
Uh, but yeah, do you have any, I guess, closing thoughts or advice for people who are just starting out either in their career or currently in college? I know it's a very difficult time now with COVID, especially for students who are recruiting for internships or jobs. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely an unfortunate situation. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I mean, I think uh, everyone my year was fortunate to not, you know, be recruiting during, you know, these times. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, going back to, you know, me getting, you know, rejected from, you know, uh, a sophomore leadership conference at EY, I, you know, I, I looked to that, you know, I, I mean, generally, I looked to failure as, a, as an event, not a, not a person or, or fact. So I think that's the mindset I think everyone should have is failure simply an event that will pass. Hmm. And so, um, you know, if, if you have that mindset, you know, after I get rejected, it's not like that rejection defines who I am or, you know, what I'm capable of. It just, you know, I, it just simply means I should move on to something else. And that's what I think a lot of people should be proactive on is even if there's not a lot of opportunities out there, you got to make that opportunity. And, you know, for a lot of people that may be simply doing online courses, learning programming and learning, you know, day trading, um, you know, there's a lot of things you can do from your own house, um, especially, um, you know, with the, I guess, the, this digital era where everything can be learned online. Um, I think there's, you know, huge opportunities there that I think, you know, wasn't available to many people, you know, 10 to 15 years ago. And I think, you know, that is something that should be looked, you know, with optimism. Um, and so for all the students out there, I mean, um, you know, everyone tells us to work hard, you'll get what you want, but you know, you gotta, you gotta work smart. You know, you gotta understand, you know, what is that you want? What is that you'll excel at? Um, you know, there's a lot of self-reflection that needs to be done. Um, and hopefully you would have, you know, continued to do that throughout, you know, college as you've spoken, you know, a lot of professionals, seeing what they do, seeing what interests you and you're going all out on that. Right. I mean, it's, it's difficult out there, but you know, it's, there's, you know, there, you gotta take risks. Um, and you know, that's, that's what I did. And I'm just telling you this from my personal experience, it's through taking these risks, um, and really, you know, um, you know, making a lot of sacrifices are able to at least get to where I am and nothing comes easy. Um, you know, as, you know, as cliche as that sounds, but most people, no matter how many times that they hear this, they'll still act exactly the same way um, the very next day. They'll just completely forget about it. And it's like so frustrating. Like all these, you know, students will show up to these, you know, panel discussions. They'll, you know, hear all these quotes and whatnot. But, you know, I think the only people that truly um, stand out and truly succeed are people that take action the very same night, you know, that they hear these things. Like they, like it's, you know, what can be done tomorrow can be done today. And that's the mindset everyone's got to have. Um, and if you don't have that mindset, then you already set up yourself for failure. And so for me, you know, as harsh as that sounds, you know, people got to be, you know, very aggressive, um, you know, and uh, I, I think, you know, not to mention, um, you know, there's a lot of hours in a day, um, you know, and, you know, it just, I, I think a lot of people are underestimating, you know, what they can achieve just given maybe, you know, in the past, they have not really, you know, scheduled out, you know, every minute of their day before, but, you know, um, you know, trust me, it's, there's a lot of time every single day um, that, you know, it's just, it's just a matter of, you know, how hard, you know, are you willing to work for it? Um, and, you know, that driver, you know, may be difficult to find, but, you know, one thing's for sure, it's, you know, you will not be able to succeed or get through this period without having, you know, the mindset. Um, and and I, I guess, you know, the, the drive to, you know, work every single day, whether it be studying online, 
reading you know specific technical books um, that are very you know dry. I mean, even still, like everything should be to invest in yourself to become you know a better person. And for recruiting, for those people that are recruiting, try to think of what is something you can do that you know where after you've done it, you can put a bullet on that resume. And people will be like, wow, right? I mean, that's the number one criteria is mm -hmm. what is something you can do where one bullet in the resume will actually, you know, add, you know, I guess, peak interest in many of those recruiters, or at least, you know, maybe, you know, encourage them to ask questions on that, right? I mean, that's, you know, if, if that bullet is not worthwhile to what you want to pursue, then there's absolutely no need for you to pursue time on that. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, I mean, I mean, that's, that's all I can say. It's I'm definitely, you know, I have to, always, you know, um, you know, talk to you about, you know, something specific to banking, but I, you know, just wanted to make this general advice for all those, you know, pursuing any career, um, you know, so um, yeah, definitely, I'm pretty sure a lot of you probably have already heard this, you know, before, but I just want to really emphasize is I just, there's countless number of students that I've seen where, you know, they just don't take action. They're in the same place a year later. And so, yeah. I, you know, I just really want to take this time to really encourage to take action, you know, every single day from this point forward, you know, whether it be just one hour a day or two hours a day, like anything, just take action. And trust me, that will snowball into your success. Yeah, so I, I guess I'm, I would just like to get your perspective on that, right? You mentioned the two key points, specifically around the mindset and the drive. And I think that's the crux of anything. And my, my question to you is, what advice do you have or what, I guess, directions do you have for these type of students who say, well, I don't really have like the right mindset or the right drive. What advice do you have for them to find that drive or mindset or figure that part out? Because I think a lot of students, to your point, know what they have to do. They just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a tough question to answer because, I mean, you know, drive is dependent upon um you know what they you know what they want what they want as well as you know the background that they grew up in um you know for i mean it's i the whole point of i think college right is to ultimately figure out you know what you want to pursue and uh, you know i think uh, a lot of people can you know agree on that but then it's you know easier said than done so you know for me i mean for for freshmen out there you know they're super lucky because they're you know able to have you know, that much more time to learn what they want to do um, you know, but, you know, for those that are pursuing jobs now, I mean, I think, you know, what they have to think about is what skill sets do they have first, um, you know, and think about uh, what opportunities that they want to pursue. And if they're, you know, and I think, you know, let's, let's talk about one part, you know, uh, what career they want to pursue, um, that will determine on based on, you know, what they've enjoyed in the, in the classroom, uh, whether it be networking with people and seeing what they've done on day to day, um, you know, and I think finding what you want to do is going to be a fuel for the drive to, you know, pursue that, mm. right? And if there's a skill set mismatch, then they're able to at least, um, you know, fill in the gaps through online courses or, or like uh, programs um, or other unpaid internships, whatever you call it. But I think before anything, I think figuring out what you want to do and figuring out why you want to pursue that, I think it's one of the most important. And then you fill in the other areas. And I think that's a much easier way to at least motivate yourself rather than, oh, you know, I see this online course. It's, you know, um, it ranked to be, you know, like top ranked, you know, there's, you know, this is job is a very high paying career or whatnot. Like that is never going to motivate you enough to, 
um, you know, do well, um, you know, or nor even like, you know, study it, you know, hours on end every single day. So that's not where you should start. You should start to, you know, first, you know, what do you want to pursue and why? Um, and then try to understand is, you know, can you fill in that skill set gap to be able to you know, achieve that role? And I think the easiest, free, you know, I guess free step, you know, to do that is talk to people, like reach out. I mean, literally, what, what are you doing 16 hours of the day? You know, you can definitely schedule a 20 minute, 15 minute call with people working in the field, right? So definitely reach out to people, whether it be LinkedIn, you know, or your friends, friends, um, you know, and, and, you know, attend like online, you know, virtual conferences where there's a lot of, there's so many things, so many ways for you to learn what you want to pursue. It's just a matter of, you know, scheduling that. I think that's the number one thing for at least, you know, creating that fuel for, for your drive. Um, and the second part is simply like for me, I mean, my drive was, you know, for my family and seeing the hardships that they went through, you know, for those, you know, that were actually, you know, maybe a little, more, little bit more fortunate that may have not really seen a lot of hardship growing up within their families or, you know, within themselves, you know, I, I think that that may be a slightly more difficult to, you know, to create artificially. And so, um, you know, but at the, at, at the same time, I mean, you know, what, whatever events turn out is the result of your efforts. So, you know, simply you just gotta, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know how many times I gotta uh, beat a dead horse on this, but you got, you gotta put in the work, you know, it's, it's like so many you know, kids these days, they just think that they submit a resume, you know, and it just, they're just going to get interviewed, but that's just never, you know, most of the time that's just not the case. Um, yeah, it's so. very true. Um, I find it funny you mentioned that because a lot of students who reach out as well, like kudos for them for reaching out. But the funny thing is still a large majority of those who reach out feel that once they reach out, they've done the right thing and it's over. Like, oh, I reached out to a professional. I'm going to get a referral and I'm going to get the job. And it's, it's funny because it really doesn't stop there, right? I think some people underestimate how much effort it takes to get a job. And even even now, so with the pandemic, it's even harder. And for those students who are willing to put in the work, they will get the job. But for those who are not as prepared or underestimate the effort it takes, they'll be kind of surprised till someone like you tells them like, hey, like wake up, like you need to put in more work. The work's not done yet. <laughs> yeah, and actually I'll give you a specific example for, uh, for, you know, for specific like students that actually, you know, am willing to help out and, you know, that I've experienced. Like, you know, some kid, you know, reached out to me via LinkedIn you know, I called, you know, chatted and kind of gave an intro to himself. And then, you know, we stayed in touch, right? He asked for general advice, you know, and, and then, but then what's interesting, he followed up, like, you know, six months later, he said, hey, I got into this program. I succeeded on this, you know, like what, you know, what are your thoughts on it? Like he kept in touch and each time he reached back out, he came with a tangible result that he achieved. And for me, that is by far one of the best things that I could see, you know, in a potential candidate is simply, you know, someone that not only reached out for general advice and just introduced themselves, but they proved that they made progress, yeah. you, know, you know, each time they reached out. That is the type of expectation that you should be, you know, trying to achieve to make sure you're on the good radar of all these people that you speak with. No one is going to put you as a referral just based on one call. That is just, you know, and then and, and like that just, <laughs> no matter how what an outstanding person you are, you know, you can't, you know, determine a person's candidacy, you know, um, just simply on one call. Um, and if anyone says otherwise, then I think they're just, you know, that's a flawed recruiting process. But look, it's like, you know, you, you have to, you have to create results. Um, I mean, that's as simple as that. And it, if, if you don't, then, you know, that's, that's, I think where, you know, anyone out there, you know, can make that improvement is, 
you know, it's everyone wants to see that, right? Everyone wants to, wants you to succeed. Like no one wants you to fail. Um, and it just simply, you know, for um, you to prove to them that, you know, not only um, are you proactive in reaching out, but then you are someone that's results driven and that can deliver on that. And so that's shown through, you know, achieving, you know, a variety of roles and extracurriculars, you know, even a small, small programs or, you know, success of, um, you know, certain, you know, uh, online courses that are very challenging and, you know, getting certificates, whatnot. Like there's be, there's always tangible results that you can achieve. And I can say, like, those are the type of students where I would say, you got to put that guy on their interview list. Like that's, he's, he's, a, he's a good guy or he's a good girl. Like, uh, you know, that, that's, that's, the, that's the type of candidate that I want to see in my interview pool. Right. And that's um, what, that's the, those are the people that I suggested, um, you know, during the recruiting processes. So, you know, just, you know, keeping in mind that um, I, I think that generally works, um, but, you know, just, just my two cents. Yeah, no, I fully agree with that. I think that's very specific advice as well. I think having those examples really showcase actionable steps on how the student can proceed. <coughs> to your point, it's not just a one-time and you reach out, it's more the follow-up that's very important and not just following up but showing progress every time you follow up. Uh, it's it's kind of that long game, which also works well for the student because the student's improving as they go. It's not like, oh, let me just keep in touch. It's like, let me keep in touch while I'm still working on these things. And then hopefully as I improve on these things, the people that I keep in touch with see that improvement and are also happy and willing to help, right? So I think that's a very good example you gave that really showcases like exactly what students should do because <laughs> I fully agree with you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, again, easier said than done, but yeah. I think that should be a good, you know, uh, boilerplate goal that everyone should put on their list. Yeah, I fully agree. Well, this has been a, a very insightful call. I think the big takeaways that we talked about is really take action now. Don't wait for tomorrow. You start today. And also finding kind of your reason why if, if you don't have an internal drive, from you know, your your whole life growing up then find something outside talk to folks and see what kind of gets you you know inspired and willing to put in the work and see if there's any gaps and then fill those gaps so very actionable stuff i think from this call yeah 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 and uh you know for those uh you know students that are you know, interested in a career you know investment banking then you know definitely you know always you know, happy to chat while, you know, usually, you know, when I was busy, I, I've been pretty slow on those, you know, responses, but definitely, you know, um, definitely there's no risk uh, for you guys being proactive and reaching out if you're interested. Um, but, you know, always, always happy to help. Yep. Sounds good. And they can probably Google search you on LinkedIn, LinkedIn, G1 Lee, and put Lazard as a company and they'll find you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not a lot of G1 Lee's at Lazard. Yeah. If they can't even pass basic Google search, then, you know, put in more work <laughs> exactly exactly uh, well andrew you know definitely a nice to chat um you know hopefully i'll uh, see you sometime in person some you know sometime soon yep sounds good thanks again g thank you again for joining us on this episode of as asians i have been your host andrew tan and i hope you learned something from today's episode if you or someone you know would like to be part of the show please contact us at asasianspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave us a like, or a review on your preferred podcast platform. And I hope you had an amazing time with us today.